Welcome to the Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Now turn with me, please, to St. John chapter 20, verses 27 through 29. St. John chapter 20, verses 27 through 29. Before we look at this ver- these verses, let me ponder something with you. We are one week into the fall season. All we've talked about this morning in our pre-service chat is how cold it is right now in Michigan. So um, as we transition into fall, we can see that the sun is setting earlier and earlier with each passing day. Miss Ann talked about cloud cover down there in Atlanta, but her daughter let us know that it's going to be 80. But up here in Michigan, the heaviness of cloud cover has hidden the sun and the temperatures are getting colder. I would think the last thing we want to add as we remember the glorious ending of summer and the changing of the season, the last thing we would want to hear about this morning is suffering, death, burial, and the scars of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're still caught up in the excitement of this time of year, the start of the football season, or maybe you're just beginning to feel your adrenaline rush as you consider all the big leagues that are about to play football. Or maybe you're getting excited like me about that frost that's getting ready to get all over them collard, giant collard greens you got growing in your garden and sweeten them up. Mm. Or maybe you're excited about a new baby coming. Or finally, maybe you're excited like me as well because you've been saving up all year for a glorious vacation. There are a hundred reasons to feel a new, fresh feeling of expectation. That's, that's the meaning of life. So why should I want to think about the suffering, the death, and the scars of our Savior? Why would I want to preach about it? Mm. The answer takes some maturity to appreciate. In general, the older you are, the more you will feel a yes rising in your heart to this answer. The answer is this. Seasons don't last. Whatever you're excited about today is temporary. And if all you have is a seasonal Christ, you will feel destitute in your winter's night of suffering, which may even show up tomorrow, even though we're in the beginning of fall. Sometimes seasons can get misplaced. So if I give you only a Christ 
who was chipper, happy-go-lucky, yo buddy, chum pal, whose only job was to cheer you up and cheer you on through your seasonal excitement, it would only be a small piece of the truth. And maybe it would make you feel better, make you feel brighter, make you feel happier. But you know what? I think most of us get that in TV advertising. It's already doing that, encouraging you to live your best life, to be chipper, to be upbeat, to be sunny, to be successful, comfortable, leisurely, sporty, smiley, fun people. But I don't care how many TV commercials you watch. Winter is coming for all of us. There are health winters. Hallelujah. There are relationship winters. There are parenting winters. There are vocational winters. And finally, that final winter of death. In those winters, you will not want a chipper, happy-go-lucky, buddy chum pal of a Christ. You will want a Christ who was, as the Bible says, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And you will want hope, not cheery, blithe, sunny, springy TV hope, but solid unshakable, everlasting, God-guaranteed hope in the face of the winter of your darkness. Mm. And that hope, it is rooted in the suffering, death, burial, risen, and scarred Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's turn to our scripture passage now. And it says in verse 27, Now Thomas, (laughs) also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That was verse 24. I apologize. We are starting at verse 24. I changed my scriptures at the last minute. We're going to start all over in case you got lost. It's 24 through 28. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks, in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace 
be with you. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. (sighs) Let us pray. Mm. Oh, my God. We thank you for the privilege of suffering and identifying with what you went through for us. Even some right now can identify with the suffering. Some right now are experiencing victory through their circumstances. But you walked this road before us to pay the price for the privilege of our redemption. And now, God, we we just pray that we would have the mind, your mind, your heart, that we would be able to share your love. Oh, God, the love and, and, and the familiarity that we are able to share with this world is because we have gone through suffering. We have experienced emotional and physical pain. And we know you to be better than life. Now, God, we pray that your spirit would ride on every word that has been prepared. We thank you for the nearness of your presence right now. Father, we pray for everyone within the sound of my voice. We pray for those names that we called out this morning, those that have lost loved ones, those that are experiencing physical pain right now, those, oh God, that are dealing with debilitating diseases, those, oh God, that are living in war-torn countries and experiencing weather phenomenons. Mm. Father, we give you all the glory. We thank you in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 25b, but he said to them, this is Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were (laughs) and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. My, my, my. I want to use for a topic this morning, there is only one man-made thing in heaven. Woo! There is only one man-made thing in heaven. We don't know. We don't know everything there is to know about Jesus's resurrected body. But we do know that it was the same body in which he died. And yet, It was not only restored to life, but changed. In other words, Jesus was still human. But at the same time, his human body is now glorified. What was sown perishable was raised 
imperishable. After Jesus rose from the dead, we found in our text he could pass through doors and walls. And yet at the same time, and I'm encouraged by this, eat broiled fish. His natural body, which died at Calvary, was raised and transformed into a spiritual body. (laughs) New enough that those who knew him best didn't recognize him at first, but also soon enough knew it was him indeed. But all of the details we have of Jesus' resurrected body I don't know about you, but for me, among the most fascinating and intriguing were his scars. I'm going to say it again. Of all the details we have of Jesus' resurrected body, among the most fascinating and intriguing of the few details that we have are his scars. The scars. The scars were the main way he confirmed to his disciples that it was truly him. They knew him by his scars. It was the scars in the same body, now risen and transformed. When Jesus first appeared to them, according to Luke, they were startled and frightened and thought that they had seen a ghost. Then Jesus showed them the scars. See, he said in Luke 24, see my hands, see my feet, that it is I. Touch me and you will see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. The Apostle John reports that Jesus showed them his hands and his sides and includes the account of doubting Thomas, who was not with them until a week later. And then Jesus, because of his divine patience, showed Thomas answered Thomas's prayer when he showed himself. He said, put your finger here, see and believe. If Luke and John didn't tell us about the scars, again, I don't know about you, but I would have just assumed that the scars would have been healed, would have been removed, that the human inflicted scars on the body of Jesus would not have entered into heaven. Wow. At first thought, scars seem like a surprising feature of perfected eternity in the new world. In fact, scars to me, I'm always trying to get rid of my scars. Scars sound like a defect. Some of you 
I'm going through some wounds right now. (laughs) Your very heart is bleeding. Your body is in pain. But I want to encourage you today that the very life that God is putting in you through those wounds will one day be a scar to remind you what you overcame. But we wouldn't expect those scars to remain visible in eternity. So Jesus has those scars. He bears those marks of suffering to remind us that the eternal scars are no longer a defect. But the eternal scars our glorified flesh to remind us and tell us of the good news. The same body that was killed on the cross rose from the grave. He was not a spirit or a ghost. He was risen fully alive and now glorified human flesh to stand as our advocate. God is the one who made human flesh to heal. God is the one who, who, who allowed for the meaning of scars from the beginning because our scars have a lot to say. Again, they remind us of what we've been through. They remind us of what we've overcome. Some scars might remind us of shame, but ultimately our scars remind us that no matter what it is, God is going to change it into good where it will no longer be a defect, but glory. So what is the treasure That he awaits us for all eternity based on those visible, glorious scars of Christ. First, Jesus' scars tell us that he knows all about our pain. That he became fully human. Hebrews 2 and 17. Made like us in every aspect. That as one with us, he could suffer with us and suffer for us as he bore our human sins to die in our place. His scars remind us that he knows human pain because he chose to suffer for us. Jesus' scars also tell us of how much He unconditionally loves us that he died, the innocent one, for the guilty. I know I'm right. Romans 5 and 8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But listen to me, beloved. Jesus' scars are healed wounds. Healed wounds wounds. They have a specific message. They forecast for us that we will forever tell that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says in Revelation, and we're going to be in Revelation the rest of the message, mostly. The Bible says in Revelation that ultimate triumph is because of our scarred Savior. The Bible says in Revelation, the lamb who was slain, who stands at the center of heaven and sits with his father on the very throne of the universe. Revelation 5 and 6. From that first introduction, a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Jesus is referred to 27 times in the Bible as the lamb. Heavens, worshipers fall down before him saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And the book of life is said to be the book of the life of the lamb who was slain. Listen to me, beloved. Far from his suffering and far from his shed blood, there is a glory beyond the suffering and the blood that we will celebrate forever. Jesus, the lamb who was slain, the sheep with the scars, and we, his people, have been washed by the blood that came through those wounds. The blood was shed through those very visible scars that remain for eternity. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and blessing. Why is he worthy? I'm trying to calm down. Why? (laughs) Hallelujah. Why is he worthy? Because he was slain. That's what we are going to sing about is the worth of the lamb forever. When we have praise and worship service, it should be so much more than entertainment. We are worshiping the lamb who was slain for all eternity. But there's even more than that to see. Mm. Listen to me. There is more to see at this time in history. See, beloved? You, (laughs) you have been added to the picture. The lamb was slain and you and you and even you, the people of God, our redemption has already been purchased. (laughs) It's no longer being forecast. It's in the past. We are victorious. We have been redeemed. We have been placed into the family of God. The price was already paid in full. It's your 
history. Your redemption has been paid by the blood of the lamb that was slain for you. You have been appointed to praise the lamb that was slain for now and all eternity. Will you worship the mighty contenders of this world that are contending for God's authority and contending for your life? Or will you worship the lamb who was slain? Mm. There is a book. Oh, I love to read. I, my, I have a room that is totally filled with books. I love to read. And now I do all my reading on a Kindle. So I'm no longer connecting, collecting books. Good. Cause I had nowhere to put them, but there is a book, <laughs> a book that was written before the foundation of the world. And the name of this book is the book of the life of the lamb who was slain, <laughs> which means that in the mind of the author of this book, the lamb is already slain at the time that the book was written. In other words, it's already done. Whatever you're praying about, <laughs> it's already done. It's already been written. The plan has already been written out. You only see bits and pieces of the parade of life, but God can see the parade from the beginning to the end and your end has already been written. And the author of this book is God. The slaying, the main character, the slaying of the Lamb of God was the plan of God before the foundation of the universe. The slaying of the Lamb of God was the plan before the universe existed. The slaying of the Lamb of God was the plan before history existed. The slaying of the Lamb of God was the plan before Adam and Eve even sinned. If Satan, together with Adam and Eve, even thought that when they brought sin into this world, that they were wrecking God's plan, they were wrong. Beloved, no one in this world or any other world can wreck God's plan. His plan was set in place before the world began. You can't wreck it because God set it up. Now let's go to, we're almost done. I got four minutes. Now let's go to the end of history into eternity future. <laughs> Let's go there. We are going to go see what song, what is the name of the song that we will be singing in eternity future. Somebody saying, Pastor, you don't know. Yes, I do. Eternity future. The song is recorded in Revelations 5, 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying, 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That's the song. Learn that song. That's the song that you are going to sing for all eternity. And why is he worthy? Because he was slain. (laughs) That's what we're going to sing about. The worth of the lamb forever. We are going to sing that same song forever. The lamb slain is the center of everything. The central song of the universe is the lamb who was slain. It was the plan from eternity past to eternity future. It is the song for all eternity. Look at Revelation 7 and 10. The great multitudes cry out in one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And now we end, beloved, with these three effects of having our name written in the book of life. Number one, your name is in the book of life so that you will see the scars and the glory of the lamb. Seeing the lamb the scarred lamb, as beautiful is our greatest vocation and reward of being a believer. This is the fountain of all that is godly in your life. Seeing the slain lamb, seeing him as beautiful, as valuable, as magnificent, as satisfying, as more valuable than anything else in your life. And the devil knows this. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Seeing the glory of the Lamb is the first and all decisive purpose of our life. Is your name in his book? So the risen Lamb says to you today and to every one of us in Revelation 1 and 18, I died and see I am alive forevermore. And then in Revelation 5, our writer John says, weep no more. See, weep no more. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And again, from Revelation 22 and 7, the lamb says, see, I am coming soon. This is our great calling to see the lamb for who he is. 
he will have the wounds inflicted by sinners. If your name is in the book, your calling is not to stay alive, but to stay in love. To love the lamb more than you love your life. The enemy was killing Christians globally by the thousands in the first century. And the beastly contenders with God are doing the very same thing today. And what does heaven say about these saints who see the glory of the lamb as being more precious than their very life? They say, come, come and enter into the glory of God. Come and see the fountain. Come and see all that has been prepared for you and you shall receive a crown of life. Is your name written in the book of life today? Have you acknowledged that you are a sinner and the only way that you can enter into eternity is through the very Lamb of God. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we invite you to do so now. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life only for myself. I believe that you died on the cross to save me. You did what I could not do my, for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give you my life now from this day forward. Help me to live every day for you in a way that pleases you. If you pray that simple prayer with me today, please feel free to contact me at 231 231- as we share with you the first steps of salvation. God bless you.